Bible tonight to uh, Exodus 15 this evening. All right, let's begin. We're going to look at this chapter tonight. Let's begin in verse number one to get us started. Uh, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will pre- prepare him in a habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the sea, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind. The sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing Wonders. So last week we looked in Exodus chapter 14 and um, that God always knows what he is doing. And uh, we looked at uh, the Egyptians pursuing and the Israelites uh, crossing the Red Sea. And I want our focus tonight as we're reading chapter 15. Uh, I feel like the theme really kicks off from verse number 11. And it says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? So you have, you have this wonderful thing that God did uh, for the Israelites in the, in the Red Sea. And uh, they're, of course they're singing this song here in chapter 15. And Moses sings, who is, who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? As I was reading that... As we'll, as we'll see throughout this chapter, uh, we see the goodness and greatness of God and we praise Him and we're thankful for that. But we're often like the old hymn, Come Thou Fount. And that verse that says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Right? And we're all prone to that. We're very prone, to, we're very, uh, we're a lot like Peter 
who, uh, when he recognized that it was Jesus on the water, and he says, Lord, if it be thou, bids me to come. And so the Lord told him to come, and he got out, right? And he's walking on water, amen? And uh, what happens? He notices, he suddenly notices the wind and the waves, and he began to falter. He began to fall. Um, and, and everybody gives Peter a difficult time for that, but who else has walked on water besides Jesus, right? I mean, Peter had some faith there. Tonight, I, I want us to consider the thought as we look here in chapter 15 of how easily it is. We know God is good. We know he's our Savior. But how easy it is to get our eyes off Jesus and on other things. And uh, I want us to look at that tonight, okay? Let's pray and uh, then we'll, we'll get in this chapter. Father, we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ alone. And we come together tonight because we have needs. Lord, I, I believe that uh, Wednesday night is a very important part of our church because it is a time where we come together and we pray and we lift up needs before you. And we pray in one accord as a church. And we're, we're pleading with you to do what only you can do in this place. It's more than just coming to sing and just worship and preaching. It is a time of prayer. And I pray, Lord, that you'll direct our hearts toward that tonight. Bless our teenagers tonight as they're having a dinner and a time of fellowship. And I pray that they're having a great time tonight. And bless them as they gather together. I pray for our children this evening as they're excited once again to learn the Bible and scriptures and come together. And bless those who are leading them, working with them. Give them a great spirit tonight. And those who's going through discipleship, minister to them and use them. And help us tonight in this auditorium. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to turn over to Exodus chapter 3 to get us started tonight. Because I want us to see here that from the time that God heard the prayers of the Israelites, He was determined to deliver them out of Egypt and into a good land. And so we have this conversation with the grown 80-year-old Moses and his calling uh, to, to return to Egypt and deliver God's people. So let's, let's begin reading verse number 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even the Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire, out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not... Nigh, uh, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of the taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Now notice he says, And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, 
to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And the place of that, uh, the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I'm thankful there that the Israelites had a prayer meeting. Amen? And they had a time where they were calling out to God. They had great burdens placed upon them. They were struggling with that, and they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard their prayer and was sending Moses to deliver his people out of that bondage. And I, and I wanted to stress that even before Moses got there, God had a plan for those people. He wanted them out of Egypt into the promised land or Canaan's land. That is God's chosen land for God's people. We call it the land of Israel today. And as we discovered when we were going through the book of Joshua, conquering the land would require great faith in the Lord. It required great obedience to what God was directing them and how he wanted things done. I mean, they could not cross the uh, Jordan River without doing it God's way. God had to part that and God had set it up for them to do a specific way and they had to believe the Lord and they had to obey. They could not take down the walls of Jericho except they obey the word of the Lord, and trust him in the process. And uh, all of the enemies that they had to conquer and, and take over and, and, and how God directed all of that, God was going to be in charge, God was going to be in control, but it required great faith in the Lord and obedience from his people. But what the Israelites had learned in years of hard bondage was to always expect hardship and heartache. Their, their life was troublesome. And as a result, their faith had struggled. And they're calling out to the Lord for a deliverer, but they're not really trusting the Lord in the process. They had enough faith to ask the Lord to deliver them from Egypt. Lots of people have enough faith to get saved, to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But they don't necessarily trust Him in the process of everyday life. God wants us to live a victorious life. He wants us to live according to his word. And, and, and be ble the blessing comes from obeying the word of God. But a lot of people, a lot of believers, they got enough faith to get saved, but not enough faith to trust the Lord each and every day. And that was the problem with the Israelites. They always expected things to go wrong. It was easy for them to doubt and find the negative in every situation. And time and again, the Lord would deliver. He would provide for their needs in a miraculous fashion that was obvious to all that God was at work. But their appreciation, their thanksgiving, if you would, was always short-lived. And truth be told, we can give the Israelites a hard time, but it really describes most of us. Okay, we know that God is good, but we live in the dumps half the time. We live down and discouraged as if God doesn't care, and we live with a troubled spirit, and uh, we, we, we face that. We're easy to doubt. We're easy 
to get discouraged or easy to look for the hardships and the troubles and the trials and focus on the negative rather than the goodness of what God is doing. When the Lord installed, if you'll turn to Exodus 13, when the Lord installed the ordinance of the Passover, he did so with a promise that he would, that he would keep, but it was on the Israelites to trust him along the journey. Uh, let's look in chapter 13 and begin reading verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no, no leavened bread be eaten. This day came ye out in the month Abib. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swear in thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey, and, and uh, that thou shalt keep the service in this month. Seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast of the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and there shall no leavened bread be seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in all thy quarters. God is very specific as he instructed Moses and laid out his word to the people. And he gets to verse number 8, And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. So they're supposed to instruct their children and tell their children what God had done in their life. In verse 9, it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand and for a memorial between thine eyes that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Thou shalt therefore keep this ordinance and his season from year to year. It is important for our faith to be, in, in, uh, to be witnessed by our own children. Our faith and obedience to the word of God is meant to impact their faith. So we should be careful with the example that we set before them. Okay, Our children, our grandchildren, people in our family, our spouses, they need to hear us talking about the goodness of God more than we complain about all the negative things in our life. Okay? If we're, if we're always focusing on what is not right, there's never victory that we're exposing. And, and so we, what we're doing is we're creating habits in those around us to always find the problem. We, we teach our children to complain or we teach them to believe. And either God knows what he's doing or he doesn't. And that's how we live our life. So you get to... You get to um, you're here in chapter 13, and look in verse 17. Even the course that the Lord had led them on was well thought out. It says in verse 17, And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea 
And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. We always want to get where we're going quicker, don't we? That, that's the truth. It's, that's in our nature, okay? Our GPS is set that when we put in a location, it is supposed to find us the fastest route. The fastest route with the fewest turns. That is, that, is, that is how they've set up GPS because that is our mindset. We want it quicker. We want to get there quicker. We want everything to be done in an instant. Sometimes, sometimes the fastest route leads you to toll roads. And toll roads will cost you. So you can put in there, I, I, I want to I miss all the toll roads. Because they'll cost me something. And we'll get on the interstates and they'll have us flying by, I'm going to say 70 miles an hour, but we all know we do faster than that. And when we do that, we miss all of the small towns and interesting people and beautiful scenery, don't we? We're just getting there as quick as possible. The thing I miss most about road maps is they always had little side places where it says scenic routes. Scenic routes were never on the interstate. You had to get off the interstate. Um, one of our favorite trips is a year after Christy and I got married. And uh, I had always wanted to go out west to Wyoming. And uh, we decided she, she was teaching and had a fall break, and a two-week fall break of all things. And uh, so we took that time, and we headed out west, and uh, we got off the interstates as much as possible. We went to uh, Mark Twain's hometown and spent the night there and just had a good time in that little town and, and uh, saw the whitewashed fence and all of those different places. And uh, we, we headed on up. You've got to get off the interstate to do that. We headed on up, got on the interstate for a little while, went up into Iowa, and uh, there's a scenic route. So we got off the interstate, and we went through all of these hills and, and uh, rolling hillsides in Iowa and the cornfields. They hadn't harvested them yet. And, uh, and just enjoyed the scenery and took lots and lots of pictures. We didn't get there that fast, but we weren't trying to get there fast. Are you with me? But that's how we're set up. And I, I want us to see this, that God saw... The quickest path for Israel, the path that they would have chosen and the path that we would have chosen because that is the quickest path. God saw that it was filled with multiple hardships. So instead, he led them down a path that focused more on developing their relationship between God and his people. So sometimes... When we're praying for God to get us out of whatever we're getting, wanting to get out of and get us out of it as quick as possible, God lets us go through that journey for a little bit longer so that we'll turn our hearts toward Him. Amen? Rather than just getting there quicker and missing the experience and learning from it and having to trust in Him and rely on Him more and increasing our prayer life, We just want to just pass through it and say, God, get me out of this. And I believe tonight that all of us could take some time and you nod your head. There's times in our life where it's been that way. Times where we have cried out to God and cried out to God and asked, 
ask God why. Why are we going through this? So following the miracle of the Red Sea, Moses and the children of Israel, they, they get to chapter 15 and they give glory to God through the song that they sang. Moses had told Israel in chapter 14 and verse 14 that the Lord shall fight for them. And what they discovered is the Lord did just that. They didn't have to, they didn't have to stand up to one Egyptian. God took care of them in the Red Sea. I remember seeing something on the History Channel where they were trying to describe how the Red, the Red Sea actually happened and that the tide had took place and it was low tide and they were able to cross at low tide. To me, the miracle of that is how did all those Egyptians drown in that low tide? Especially in the way that is described here in chapter 15. They dropped as lead to the bottom. God is worthy of praise. He had fought their battles. They recognized that. The victory was his. And so, and so the glory didn't go to Moses. And I think we do too much glorying in people. All the glory goes to God. Amen? The victory is not mine. The victory is not yours. Even though God may use us in the process, it is God who does it because without him we would fail miserably. So in verse number one they sang. You'll see at the middle, about middle of the verse, Moses spake and he said, I will sing of the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. If you look down in verse 21, Moses' sister Miriam, she sang the same words in that verse. The Lord, he triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea, speaking of the Egyptians. And they begin to sing this song. And in verses 2 through 7, they speak of Israel's salvation. They say that the Lord is my strength and song, and he has is, he is become my salvation. He is the one that delivered us. He is the one that took care of us. He says, he is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And that's just going back to the fact that the Lord is the one who fought the battle. The Lord is the one that took care of their need. And he delivered them and saved them. He described in verse 4, Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also were drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank unto the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces thy enemy. And in greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. The Lord took care of it all. So, Larry, the, the, the truth is, there was a time in, all, in our life where we, we looked at our sin, and we looked at our past, and we felt hopeless, 
and we could not overcome it. And the Lord sent Jesus Christ to save us from all of that, right? We didn't save ourselves, so all the glory goes to God. And He is our salvation, so when we sing, we sing of a Savior. We sing of the one who delivered us from things that, were, that could overpower us and uh, take us out. Uh, God saw that need, He recognized that, and He did it in a glorious way. Then we see in verses 8 through 13 the Lord's might and His mercy. He says, And with the blast of thy nostrils the waters were gathered together. He blowed with His uh, nostrils, and the wind blew from the east. And it, it says that the flood, the flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. And the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall deliver them. There's a whole lot of I wills mentioned in that verse, isn't there? That reminds me of Satan in Isaiah chapter 14, Lucifer, of how he kept saying, I will be like the Most High. I will, I will, I will. That is the enemy. He is going to, he sees an opportunity and he's going to overtake us and he's going to divide us and, and he's going to draw his sword and destroy us. But the Lord had other, the Lord had it all under control. He says, Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? There is no one like our God. Amen. You get to verse 12, thou stretchest out thy hand. I, I love it when God does things and we just have to stand back in awe and say, who is he? How does he do that? How can he do that? The disciples, when they're in the, in the boat, and he came out, and they said, Master, do you care not that we perish? And he doesn't say a word. He just comes out, and he says to the storms and the seas, Peace, be still, and they calmed. And they, they, they left questioning, What manner of man is this? Who is like unto thee? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, in verse 12, The earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy... Hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength and thy holy habitation. And that is where we see that we, we see the Lord's might and his mercy. It's his mercy that he delivers us and he takes care of us. And he speaks there of a redeemed people. We're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he is the one that guides us through his Holy Spirit each and every day because he loves us and he cares for us. And again, he has a place where he wants us to get to. It's already set up when, when he's delivering us. He already, has a, he already has a place for you, Brandon. And he's asking you to trust him in the process of how to get there. Your way would lead to, I want to quit. I'm done. I hate this. It's too much trouble. That's your way. And it maybe gets you there quicker, but God, God knows exactly what he's doing. And his desire is for you and him to grow in a relationship together. And that is going to, 
That, that, that happens when we become more dependent upon him. And we see his goodness, not our own goodness. We love to boast about ourselves. We love to brag about ourselves. We love for people to brag about us. But it's not about us. It's about the goodness and power and glory and wonder of God. Then we see in verses 14 through 19 the effects on Israel's enemies. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestine. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, and the mighty men of Moab trembling shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. God is doing, God did the Red Sea because it's going to affect their future. One day, they're going to face another enemy, and that enemy is going to remember, oh, I know what your God did for you. And you're going to be able to stand because you know what your God did for you. And through that process, if we're looking and we're trying to see the the goodness and wonder of God, and we realize that God is working all of the pieces out, He says in verse 16, fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm they shall be as still as a stone till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in a mountain of thine inheritance in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen in the sea, and the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Then you see Miriam's parenthetical mention. I don't, I don't really know what the purpose of verse 20 and 21 is, really. But it speaks of Miriam. God put it in there for a reason. And he mentions her as the prophetess, which means she was an inspired woman and she had the gift of song. She, I, I noticed it, it describes her as the sister of Aaron. I don't know why God did that, but she's also the sister of Moses, but the Lord doesn't put that in there. There's a reason for that. I don't know what it is, but there's a reason. It says that she took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. She, she, she was ministering to and ministering with all of the women of Israel. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. And then we get to the murmuring in Merah. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Merah, they, they 
could not drink of the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Merah. And uh, the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and ordinance, and there he proved them. And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. <laughs> you want to know why Wednesday night is Bible study and prayer meeting is important? Because it took them three days to start murmuring and complaining. Three days. God just did a glorious thing. And they traveled for three days into the wilderness of Shur. And they find it a dry and dirty and dusty place. And there's a need for water. Three days. And they're without water. They're murmuring of their need. And they necessitated, necessitated a refreshment. They just, that quick, they found reason to get their eyes off God and all on their need. Are you with me? So the people murmured against Moses in verse 24, saying, what shall we drink? Because the water that they were drinking was bitter. And so what does Moses do in verse 25? He took the need to the Lord. It's time to pray about it. So we pray, and the Lord, the Lord answered. He showed him a tree, which when he had cast in the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now that's some kind of answer to a prayer, isn't it? Just see, you see that tree over there? That's the still small voice. And throw that water in the throw that tree into the water, and the water will be good to drink. And then not only did the Lord provide their need, but the Lord delivered the word of God. And so he set a statute and an ordinance there, and he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and if you'll do that which is right in his sight, and if you'll give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I'll put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Say, so what's he saying there? He's saying, Regina, trust me. He's not going to do a miracle of Red Sea crossing every day. It's not going to happen. But he's teaching them, trust me in the process. Have faith in me that I know what I'm doing and I can take care of you. And I'll get you through this. And we're going to be stronger as a, we're going to be stronger because of it. You and the Lord. You're going to walk closer with him because of it. He's going to see you through it. And you're going to depend upon him and rely upon him. Don't. Just don't focus, John, on your present need and get discouraged and doubtful and complain and murmur and discourage everybody else because you can't see the goodness of God. You only see the poorness of your need, right? 
And it only takes three days. Amen. So the Lord delivered the word. And he says, if you'll listen to me, if you'll do what I tell you, if you allow my word to enter your heart, and keep my word, I will take care of you, and I will heal you. And we close with verse 27. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees. And they encamped there by the waters. Who is like unto thee, right? Who is like unto thee, the one that can answer our prayers, the one that can turn the hearts of kings, the one that can do all things if people just believe him. Trust him in the process and obey his word. Father, I pray tonight that you'll bless our time together. I pray tonight that something was said this evening that, was, that spoke to everyone's heart. It may not be the